Please join me in the spirit of prayer. Come, Spirit of God, breath-giver, life-sustainer, quickener of heart and mind. You bring good news to the poor. You bind up the brokenhearted. You proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to the oppressed. Stir up our hearts that we may be steadfast in our devotion to the common good. Kindle our minds. Let the flame of knowledge become the fire of service. Then use us to bring hope and gladness to a breaking world. May we be so shielded by your strength, so shaken by your love, so disarmed by your humor, that we may walk the path of justice, peace, and truth with boldness, self-forgetfulness, and lightness of heart. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Arrahmanirrahim. Maliki Yawmiddin. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين انعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين امين in the name of god the compassionate the merciful Praise be to God, the cherisher of the worlds, the compassionate, the merciful, master of the day of judgment. You alone we worship and your aid we seek. Show us the straight way, the way of those whom you have favored, not of those who have encouraged your wrath, nor of those who have gone astray. Amen. Please be seated. Good afternoon, and welcome to Princeton University's 259th baccalaureate service. There was a time when university presidents used this occasion to preach a sermon. Samuel Davies solemnly warned the class of 1760 against the temptations of the world. And Woodrow Wilson extolled the importance of a righteous soul to the class of 1908. But luckily for you and for me, the baccalaureate address is now delivered by a speaker proposed by the senior class. Yet the tradition of this service remains the same. It is a time for reflection amid the hustle and the bustle of reunions, class day, and commencement. A time to take stock 
before embarking on the great adventure that awaits you beyond the Fitz-Randolph Gates. This service is also an opportunity to say thank you for the education you have acquired and the confidence that this has engendered in the course of your time at Princeton, for the friendships you have formed and the talents you have developed and shared, for the professors, instructors, and coaches who have challenged you to reach a little higher, and yes, who have, you have challenged in return, and for the families that have applauded, supported, and on occasion consoled you from afar. Thank you for gathering here today and for all you have done to make our university community the extraordinary place that it is. A reading from the Zoroastrian Avasta in Avastan, followed by English. Yata ahureyo, ataratush shashat jita chavangeosh, das domingo, short tenenam angeosh mazdai, shatrem chai aurai ayim deritgubyo darad vashtarem. The will of the Lord is the law of righteousness. The benefit of good mind is for those who work in the world in the name of God, that is, selflessly, so that we develop the moral courage of conscience, which helps the poor and those around us. And from Yasna 30. Now I will proclaim to those who will hear the things that the educated person should remember. Listen with your ears to the best things. Look upon them with clarity of thought and for decision between good and evil, all people for themselves before God. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows forth God's handiwork. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard, in the deep has God set a pavilion for the sun. It comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. A reading from the book of James. Be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word, and not doers, 
They are like those who look at themselves in the mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unsustained by the world. Here ends the reading.
If laughter is the best medicine for what ails us, then David Sedaris is a physician extraordinaire. Essayist, playwright, self-styled typist, and former Macy's elf. Our guest speaker has delighted millions of readers and radio listeners with his irreverent and self-deprecating humor. In the words of one observer, his razor-sharp zingers have the electric energy and precision of a Kobe Bryant dunk. But as many of you know, Mr. Sedaris is not an armchair humorist, poking fun at the absurdities of others. On the contrary, he has turned his gaze inward, bearing his own foibles and follies and those of his family in a way that is both hilarious and poignant. Books like Naked, Me Talk Pretty One Day, and Dress Your Family in Corduroy and Denim document a personal journey that few of us could make with so much humor, and fewer still of us could write with such finesse. By mining his childhood in Raleigh, North Carolina, his relationships, eclectic employment history, and a host of other experiences in this country and in France, Mr. Sedaris has turned his own life into a canvas that everyone can enjoy, and more importantly, relate to, even if we have never worked in Santa Land. There's laughter in his essays, and plenty of it. But there are also insights that can help us navigate the challenges of daily life. Perhaps the most important of these lessons is that even so-called ordinary lives are worth recounting. Since 1992, when the Santa Land Diaries were aired on national public radio, Mr. Sedaris has emerged as one of this country's most original and foremost writers. In 2001, he received the Thurber Prize for American Humor and was selected by Time as Humorist of the Year. Last year, he was nominated for two Grammy Awards, one for Best Spoken Word Album and one for Best Comedy Album, which underscores the fact that he is someone who should be heard as well as read. I also have it on good authority that his books easily held their own against the thousands of pages of required reading that you plowed through each semester. Since many of you have complained to me that your time for outside reading is virtually non-existent, I can think of no higher compliment. Now, bearing in mind that this afternoon's event may very well appear in print one day, Please join me in welcoming the one and only David Sedaris.
thank you so much for having me today. I've, I've always been completely Princeton struck. And when I, and, and to have been made an, an honorary member of the senior class, it, it makes me feel like the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz when he gets his brain at the, at the very end of the movie. <laughs> It's been interesting to walk around campus this afternoon, as when I went to Princeton, things were completely different. <laughs> this chapel, for instance, I remember when it was just a clearing cordoned off with sharp sticks. Prayer was compulsory back then, and you ha couldn't just fake it by moving your lips. You had to know the words and really mean them. I'm dating myself, but this was before Jesus Christ. We worshipped a god named Sasha Tiba, who had five eyes, including one right here on the Adam's apple. None of us ever met him, but word had it that he might appear at any moment, so we were always at the ready. Whatever you do, don't look at his neck, I used to tell myself. <laughs> it's funny now, but I thought about it a lot. Some people thought about it a little too much, and it affected their academic performance which was tragic, really. Again, I date myself, but back then, we were on a pass-fail system. If you passed, you got to live. <laughs> and if you failed, you were burned alive on a pyre that's now the Transgender Studies Building. <laughs> Following the first grading period, the air was so thick with smoke, you could barely find your way across campus. There were those who said it smelled like meat, no different than a barbecue, but I could tell the difference. I mean, really, since when do you grill hair? Or sweaters, or those ugly, chunky shoes we all used to wear. It kept you on your toes, though, I'll say that much. If I'd been burned alive because of bad grades, my parents would have killed me. Especially my father, who meant well, but was just a little too gung-ho for my tastes. He had the whole outfit. Princeton breastplate, Princeton nightcap. He even got the velvet cape with the taxidermied tiger head hanging like a rucksack from between the shoulder blades. Back then, the mascot was a saber tooth, so you can imagine how silly it looked and how painful it was to sit down while wearing it. Then there was his wagon, completely covered with decals and bumper stickers. I hold my horses for Ivy League schools. My son was accepted at the best university in the United States, and all I got was a bill for $168,000. <laughs> on and on, which was just so wrong. One of the things they did back then was start you off with a modesty seminar, an eight-hour session that all the freshmen had to sit through. It might be different today, but back in my time, it took the part of a role-playing exercise. My classmates and I pretending to be graduates, and the teacher assuming the part of an average citizen, the soldier, the bloodletter, the whore with a heart of gold. <laughs> Tell me, young man, did you attend a university of higher learning? To anyone holding a tool or a weapon, we were trained to respond, what? Me go to college? Whoever gave you that idea? 
If, on the other hand, the character held a degree, you were allowed to say, sort of, or sometimes, I think so. So where do you sort of think you went? And it was this next bit you had to get just right. Inflection was everything, and it took the foreign students forever to master it. <laughs> so where do you think you sort of went? And we'd say, um, Princeton? As if it were an oral test question, and we weren't quite sure that this was the correct answer. <laughs> Princeton, my goodness, the teacher would say, that must have been really something. You had to let him get it out. But once he started in on how brilliant and committed you must be, it was time to hold up your hand saying, oh, it isn't that hard to get into. Then he'd say, really? But I heard wrong, you'd tell him. You heard wrong. <laughs> it's not that great of a school. <laughs> this was the way it had to be done. You had to play it down, which wasn't easy when your dad was out there reading your acceptance letter into a bullhorn. <laughs> I needed to temper his enthusiasm a bit, and so I announced that I would be majoring in patricide. The Princeton program was very strong back then, the best in the country. But it wasn't the sort of thing your father could get too worked up about. Or at least most fathers wouldn't. Mine was over the moon. Killed by a Princeton graduate, he said. And my own son, no less. My mom was actually jealous. So what's wrong with matricide, she asked. What, I'm not good enough to murder you too high and mighty to take out your own mother? They started bickering, so in order to make peace, I promised to consider a double major. And how much more is that going to cost us, they asked. Those last few months at home were pretty tough, but then I started my freshman year and got caught up in the life of the mind. My idol worship class was the best, but my dad didn't get it at all. What the hell does that have to do with patricide, he asked. And I said, um, everything? He didn't understand that it's all connected, that one subject leads to another and forms a kind of chain that raises its head and nods like a cobra when you're sucking on a bong after three days of no sleep. <laughs> on acid, it's even wilder and appears to eat things. But not having gone to college, my dad had no concept of a well-rounded liberal arts education. He thought that all my classes should be murder-related, with no lunch breaks or anything. But fortunately, it doesn't work that way. I told my parents I'd major in killing them, but that was just to get them off my back. In truth, I had no idea what I wanted to study. So for the first few years, I took everything that came my way. History was interesting, but I have no head for dates and tend to get my eras confused. I enjoyed pillaging and astrology, but the thing that ultimately stuck was comparative literature. There wasn't much of it to compare back then. No more than a handful of epic poems and one novel about a lady detective. But that's part of what I liked about it. The field was new and full of possibilities. A well-versed graduate might go anywhere, but try telling that to my parents. You mean you won't be killing us, my mother said? But I told everyone you were going for that double major. 
Dad followed his I'm so disappointed speech with a lecture on career opportunities. You're going to study literature and get a job doing what, he said. Literaturizing? We spent my entire vacation arguing. Then, just before I went back to school, my father approached me in my bedroom. Just promise me you'll keep an open mind, he said. And as he left, he slipped an engraved dagger into my book bag. <laughs> I had many fine professors during my years at Princeton, but the one I think of most often was my fortune-telling instructor. She was a complete hag, this woman. Wild gray hair, warts the size of new potatoes, the whole nine yards. She taught us to forecast the weather up to two weeks in advance, but ask her for anything weightier and you were likely to be disappointed. The alchemy majors all wanted to know how much money they'd be making after graduation. Just give us an approximate figure, they'd say, and the teacher would shake her head and cover her crystal ball with a little cozy given to her by one of the previous classes. When it came to our futures, she drew the line no matter how hard we begged, and I mean, we really tried. I was as let down as the next guy, but in retrospect, I can see that she acted in our best interests. Look at yourself on the day you graduated from college, then look at yourself today. I did that recently, and it was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> the answer, of course, is life. What the hag chose not to foretell and what we, in our certainty, could not have fathomed is that stuff comes up. Weird doors open. People fall into things. Maybe the engineering whiz will wind up brewing cider. Not because he has to, but because he finds it challenging. Who knows? Maybe the athlete will bring peace to all nations. Or the class moron will, become to, will go on to become the President of the United States. <laughs> Though that's more likely to happen at Harvard or Yale. <laughs> Schools that will pretty much let in anybody. <laughs> there were those who left Princeton and soared like arrows into the bosoms of power and finance, but I was not one of them. My path was a winding one with plenty of obstacles along the way. When school was finished, I went back home, an Ivy League graduate with four years worth of dirty laundry and his whole life ahead of him. What are you going to do now, my parents asked. And I said, well, I was thinking of washing some of these underpants. <laughs> that took six months. <laughs> then I moved on to the shirts. Now what, my parents asked. When I told them I didn't know, they lost what little patience they had left. What kind of a community college answer is that, my mother said. You went to the best school there is. How can you not know something? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> In time, my father stopped wearing his Princeton gear. The cape and breastplate went into the attic, along with his decals and the sandwich board reading, ask me where my son went to college. <laughs> my mother stopped talking about my potential, and she and my dad got themselves a brown and white puppy. In terms of intelligence, it was just average, but they couldn't see that at all. Aren't you just as smart as dog in the world, they'd ask. 
and the poppy would lick their fingers in a way that was disturbingly familiar. <laughs> My first alumni weekend cheered me up a bit. It was nice to know that I wasn't the only unemployed graduate in the world, but the warm feeling evaporated when I got back home and saw that my parents had given the dog my bedroom. <laughs> Above the dresser, in place of the Princeton pennant they'd bought me for my first birthday, was a banner reading, Westminster or Bust. <laughs> I could see which way the wind was blowing, and so I left and moved to the city where a former classmate, a philosophy major, got me a job on his rag-picking crew. When the industry moved overseas, this the doing of another former classmate, classmate, I stayed put and eventually found work skinning hides for a rat catcher, a thin, serious man with the longest beard I have ever seen. At night, I read and reread the handful of books I'd taken with me when I left home, and eventually, out of boredom as much as anything else, I started to write myself. It wasn't much at first, character sketches, accounts of my day, parodies of articles in the alumni newsletter. <laughs> then, in time, I became more ambitious and began crafting little stories about my family. I'd read what, I read one of them out loud to the rat catcher who'd never laughed at anything but roared at the description of my mother and her puppy. My mom was just the same, he said. I graduated from Brown and two weeks later, she was raising falcons on my top bunk. <laughs> the story about my dad defecating in his neighbor's well <laughs> pleased my boss so much that he asked for a copy and sent it to his own father. This gave me the confidence to continue, and in time I completed an entire book, which was subsequently published. I presented a first edition to my parents, who started with the story about our neighbor's well and then got up to close the drapes. Fifty pages later, they were boarding up the front door and looking for ways to disguise themselves. Other people had loved my writing, but these two didn't get it at all. What's wrong, I asked. My father adjusted his makeshift turban and sketched a mustache on my mother's upper lip. What's wrong, he said. I'll tell you what's wrong. You're killing us. But I thought that's what you wanted. <laughs> we did, my mother wept, but not this way. It hadn't occurred to me until that moment, but I seemed to have come full circle. What started as a dodge had inadvertently become my life's work, an irony I never could have appreciated had my extraordinary parents not put me through Princeton. Thank you. Please stand for the prayers of the people. Blessed are you, O God, creator of life, 
you give us purpose and hope. Blessed are you, eternal truth. You give us minds to know you in the things that you have made. Blessed are you, source of all mercy. You know our weakness and are always ready to forgive. Blessed are you, lover of souls. You bind in one community the living and the dead. Blessed are you, wellspring of all wisdom. Please join in the prayer for Princeton. O eternal God, the creator and preserver of all things, we beseech you to bestow upon this university your manifold gifts of grace, your truth to those who teach, your joys to those who learn, your wisdom to those who administer, your laws to those who hold its mission and its work in trust. By these gracious influences of your spirit, bind all who bear the name of Princeton into the company of those who know your steadfast love. Amen. A blessing from the Christian tradition, from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This is a blessing from the Baha'i religion. I desire distinction for you. It is not an ordinary distinction I desire, not scientific, commercial, industrial distinction. For you, I desire spiritual distinction. That is, you must become eminent and distinguished in morals. You must become distinguished in the virtues of the human world, for faithfulness and sincerity, for justice and fidelity, for firmness and steadfastness, for philanthropic deeds and service to the human world, for love toward every human being, for unity and accord with all people, for removing prejudices and promoting international peace, I desire this distinction from you. A blessing from the Buddhist tradition. May you be safe from danger. May you be happy and well. May you be healthy in body. May you be peaceful always. A blessing from the Jain tradition, first spoken in Magdi, then in English. Namo Aryantaram, Namo Siddhanam, Namo Ayaryanam, Namo Ujjayanam, Namo Loye Savasanam, Eso Pancha Namakaro, Sava Pava Panasano, Mangala Namcha Savvesim, 
Panamang Hawaii Manglang. I bow to the Arans, the enlightened human beings. I bow to the Siddhas, liberated souls. I bow to the Acharyas, the religious leaders. I bow to the Apadyas, the spiritual teachers. I bow to the spiritual practitioners in the universe. This fivefold devotion mantra destroys all sins and obstacles and is the first happiness among all forms of happiness. The peace of God be always with you. I invite you to share it with one another. Beloved graduates of Princeton University, receive now the benediction. May compassion quicken your hearts. May righteousness temper your actions. May wisdom captain your minds. May vocation guide your choices. And wherever life may take you, may you flourish in God's presence. Amen. Go forth rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. <laughs>